continues on the Blind Rage podcast with 1991's Dead Silence starring Sleepaway Camp 2's Renee Estevez, Heathers, Lisanne Falk, and Carrie Mitchum. We also have a pre-Breaking Bad, pre-Malcolm in the Middle, pre-Seinfeld, Brian Cranston, and both star of Halloween 4 and 5. This is a pretty good one, albeit a pretty cliched one, but it's, uh, I like it. It's rarely seen. You can find it on YouTube, um, in a so-so quality version. That's the one I chose. And, um, so yeah, if you want to watch along, there'll be a countdown and yeah, we can get into the movie together. Or if you would rather, you could just listen to me ramble on about my opinions and observations. Um, so yeah, um, as always, I would like to encourage you to please follow me on Instagram at writer Brandon Ford. You can also check out my books in Kindle and paperback edition by going to amazon.com, hitting the drop down, selecting books, typing in Brandon Ford. My author page should come up there. You'll find a bunch of my titles and you could also find me on audible by going to the Audible website or the Audible app, typing in Brandon Ford, and there are nine titles and counting. So, yeah. Um, And lastly, if you want to contact me with any questions, comments, concerns, critiques, criticisms, recommendations, suggestions, or if you just want to say hi, feel free to email me directly at blindragepod81 at gmail.com once again that's blindragepod81 at gmail.com so once again there will be a 10 count and then we will get into the movie so let's get into 1991's dead silence Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Five, four, three, two, one. Um, I want to, I want to mention something first before I get into this. Um, 
in, in this opening scene, I think it's kind of an important one because Rene Estevez's character, Zana, you can see from this opening scene that she is looking out for number one already. One might confuse her overzealous behavior with regard to her grades as just one of those uh, left brains who has to uh, overachieve. Um, but she's arguing with her professor, who is played by Brian Cranston, by the way, that um, she deserves a higher grade than her partner on uh, whatever the uh, research project was. Um, and saying, I did the research, I did the analysis, I typed every word, and that grade's not fair. And then she tries to say, split the grades, give him an 85 and give me a 95. So, I mean, that should say a lot about the direction her character is going to go um, during the course of the film. But yeah, this is Dead Silence, a 1991 made-for-TV movie, and... Believe it or not, this was not made for ABC, NBC, CBS, or even Lifetime. This was made for Fox. How do I know that? Because I watched it when it first aired. Not only that, like everything, I recorded it onto a VHS. Uh, and I <laughs> recorded it. I'm not using my original... Uh, recording unfortunately because mine is shitty so uh, I'm using a, a rip from YouTube so if you want to watch along you could do so quite easily but yeah I had a growing up I had a singer VCR in my bedroom what's that you say don't singer doesn't singer make sewing machines yes yes they do they do that's what they're known for why i had a singer vcr i have no idea did it work well no no it did not it was a giant piece of crap and it recorded everything in such shitty low-fi audio quality and unfortunately that is the vcr i used to record dead silence uh, when it aired on Fox way back in 91. I couldn't find a release or an air date, rather. But yeah, I didn't want to use that audio because... Or I didn't want to use that version because the audio would be too shitty. But uh, yeah, it's the version that I always had and the only the version that I always watched. And I record or I transferred it onto a DVD-R, which I then uploaded onto a hard drive... But yeah, once again, because the quality is so shitty, I decided to go with this version that I found on YouTube, which definitely sounds better. I don't know uh, what it looks like from, um, I think it's a 360p, so it's not even DVD quality, and it's, I think it's around VHS quality, so, um... You know, there might, there might be an HD quality version floating around there somewhere because I know that Lifetime or LMN did play this not, not so long ago. And 
Yeah, this is a uh, a thirty year old movie, and we have. So I need to talk about the leads here first. Yeah, like I said, we have some interesting faces in this one. We, like I said, we have Brian Cranston. I think this was probably the first time I I'd ever seen him in anything ever. Little did I know he was going to go on to have quite an industrious career. We have our three leads. We have Carrie Mitchum, who plays what the fuck is her character? <laughs> I can't remember. I oh fuck! I'm. I always think that I'm. I'm prepared, but I am not. So Carrie Mitchum. And we have Lisanne Falk from Heather's. She was Heather McNamara. And we have Renee Estevez um, of Sleepaway Camp 2 and Intruder fame. So we have some horror alum. Not only do we have Renee Estevez, but we have Bo Star of Friday the th uh, Halloween 4 and 5. Interestingly enough, I was doing uh, Nightmare with Daniel Harris um, just last night. And now I'm doing a... it doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, this is a TV movie, so we have a lot of made-for-TV tropes. And we also have a lot of tropes involved in the thriller centered around an accidental death. Um... Which always happens with a group of people. And I couldn't, oh my god, I couldn't believe it. But I, it wasn't that long ago, maybe last summer, I don't know. But I watched that movie, um, The Rental, that was written by James Franco's brother. And that was probably the only reason why it got made. It was so unfucking believably cliched and derivative. It was pathetic. And of course, it got decent reviews. So that always makes me feel like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But I'm pretty sure that I do in the case of this one. Even though I was only able to watch or listen to the audio described version, I was able to follow it quite well. Thank you very much. And. For a movie made in, what was it, 2020 or 2019, I'm not exactly 100% sure when it was shot or filmed or released or fucking whatever. But for a movie done or written over the course of the past, you know, three to five years, let's say, because I know it takes a lot of time for a movie to get made, to have a scenario involving a group of people... Um, and an accidental death who have that should we go to the po police should we do the right thing or should we just cover this up moment is fucking pathetic it's lazy it's unoriginal it's trite think of something a little bit better um that was my biggest problem with the rental. But we're not here to talk about the rental. We're here to talk about dead silence. And um, 
Yeah, so this is a, a uh, accidental death involving three girls, college friends, for the, they go to where they go, Pacific, the University of Pacific Northwest, and they have been roommates for four years, or I don't know if they've been roommates for four years, but they've definitely been close for four years, and they rent a house that which they call the Pink Palace. Oh, Sunny. That is um, Carrie Mitchum's name. And Carrie, this is uh, supposed to be Palm Springs. And I don't know. I thought that this was supposed to be spring break. I'm, I'm not 100% sure what exactly. Because... Uh, yeah, no, because they have their graduation stuff a little later in the film. Uh, Lasanne Falk's character, her family throws her a graduation party. So we have the graduation scenes later. And, but yeah, this is supposed to be spring break. So, and, but Sunny is supposed to be moving to Palm Springs to work full time for a news station. A local to be an anchor on TV and much to her chagrin she thinks that she's going to spend one last week partying and meeting with her as just meeting with her boss that she just has she comes to find that uh, she has to start right away so no partying for you Sunny um, so I always hated the way she says sacks. It's sacks. Um, so, um, Joni. Joni, that's Lisanne Falk's character's name. I was trying to remember the characters. Okay, so we have three characters who are very different. I think Sunny is probably the most level-headed. Um... Joni is very much emotionally unstable. As I said about Renee Aceves' character, Zana, or Susanna, but they just call her Zana or Zan, she's only looking out for number one. So, you know, and not only is uh, Joni emotionally unstable, she, after this, the whole accident happens, you know, she's hanging by a thread, and, um, and spoiler alert, she, uh, she kills herself, because she can't live with, she wasn't the driver, but she can't live with what she's been involved in, so, I think that the characters are pretty well fleshed out for sure especially for a tv movie they they did a good job it's 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 mostly well written um like i said the characters are um three-dimensional they all have they're not just cookie cutters they all have a story a plot line a life um 
Like I said, we have uh, Renee Esves' character, Zana, who is an overachiever, and she wants to be a lawyer, and she's trying to get into Columbia, and um, she doesn't. And uh, Joni, Joni lives basically to please her father, and she only went to college to please him. And what is planned after she graduates is she's that she's going to go to work for him. And I can't believe that we're all, we're at the uh, accident. This this takes place pretty early in the film. I didn't realize this. Uh, but Sunny, yeah, she she has gone to school for journalism. She was she worked for her her university's uh, television station. We're about to come up on the hit right here in a few seconds. The hit, which becomes a hit and run. This is the stuff of uh, a Fear Street novel. Or a Lois Duncan, rather. Here we go. So yeah, they hit a homeless drifter who was just wandering uh, on the shoulder on the shoulder of the road and they're in the middle of nowhere and you know I never really noticed this before I I was testing the the, the movie out or this this writ to make sure that it was intact and that it was of decent quality and what and that the audio would, would work well for this episode but i never really noticed that while they are getting ready to leave um i think uh i don't remember who it was it's either um well obviously i think it's i think it's renee sms's character zana she says something because they'd been drinking they'd been they were pre-partying while they were getting ready to go to this desert party that they'd been invited to by these guys at the at the motel and they were pre-partying while they were getting dressed and primping and stuff like that and i never noticed that um Zana, i believe says maybe i should drive and and uh, Sunny says, "I'm, I'm a." She doesn't. I don't remember exactly what she says, but she some, says something to the effect of, "I'm at least as drunk as you," or some something like that. But they, the one character, or yeah, the one character who seemed to be the most drunk, what to me at least from what you see is uh, Joni, and Joni is in the back. Joni, played by Lisanne Falk, and she's the one who's horsing around a lot, and it is, when you really look at it, her fault, because she is, uh, she's three sheets to the wind, she's horsing around, she's, you know, nudging the girls, and I think it's, um, her fault, because she nudges, um, she nudges Sunny while she's driving, and she causes she causes Sunny to swerve. And um, but see, I think 
this might have worked if this took place a little bit later uh, because it's 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 like sunset right now and I think it it was probably written to take place at night but they more than likely couldn't afford the light the lights or something um, but I think it would have made a lot more sense because it's dark yeah but it's not so dark that they could not see this he's, he's a large guy too he's a rather large guy um, walking along the shoulder of the road and it's like they can't see him until he's through the windshield essentially and I know they're parting and I know they're horsing around and I know they're a little tipsy but nevertheless I, I, I always like this this part here um, with with Joni's character because it, it, it adds to her her emotional fragility because after they hit this guy and as soon as I believe um, Xana says that he's dead um, Joni just turns and she just starts walking and she's walking along the shoulder of the road and she's almost in a catatonic state her sh she has uh, these lace-up shoes on one of them comes free and she's walking with the shoe just kind of dragging in her arms folded and she has essentially checked out and i think it it was you know i could be i'm sure there's people who are probably laughing at how much i'm analyzing this this made for tv fodder but i i like that they had her turn and just keep going walking down the side of the road because it's kind of like she's trying to walk away from the reality of what she was just involved in she's not only trying to walk away from it physically but she's walking away from it mentally so she just can't handle it. She can't handle it. So, and of course, Sunny, Sunny being the the. Okay, first I have to say this: they are driving in a white, a white convertible, with a huge blood stain down the hood, and they're in Palm Springs, and there are people who see them. Um, but yeah, so what I think is really fucked up, and again, but this this is all true to Zana's character, is she's driving and they, she drives them, I guess, a little ways closer to the hotel or the motel that they were staying at, under the. And she has them all under the impression that they're going to call the police if they're going to get help for this guy, or they're going to at least report the crime. But this whole time, I think that Xana has no intention of ever telling anyone. She's, I think she spends this whole drive plotting what she's going to do. And she's think because she's, she's saying all this to Sonny about, you know, it's we have three college kids we have drinking son you have a DWI um, 
and they're going to bury all of us as she's saying now and, and she is a law student so she very much knows and understands the law she knows how things work for the most part and there's a scene later in the film where i believe she goes they always have to have you know the, the microfiche film uh film moment and not not necessarily movies like this but um in thrillers and horror movies in general and thankfully they don't do that anymore um by the way oh yeah no i don't want i don't even want to i don't even want to gloss over that but um See, this, she's so fucking manipulative and so fucked up that she is doing everything that she's saying, everything that she can, not to make Sonny call the police, not to do the right thing. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of this, the, the tried and true scenario that we all know. In movies like this but at the same time it's sort of not because we have really we have a pack of three but we we have only two who are um arguing about which course that they should take as far as the accident goes um whether to to go left or right um, because Joni, again, she's still checked out. She doesn't know. I don't even think she knows what's happening. And, um... So... So, um... I think, too, um... Zan... Or Zana is, uh... Also digging... As deep down to find as many things as she as she can possibly say to Sonny, who, like I said, is the most level-headed and the most rational-thinking member of the trio. Zana is telling her, you know, why don't you call the station because she just got hired as a as a as a TV reporter? Why don't you call them? Have them. Report on your, you know, the the hit, or better yet, why don't you call um, Joni's father? And Joni's father, who is very, um, I don't know what his issue is. I think he has a heart condition or something. Or I don't know. There's there's something there. Um, or he's under. I think he, yeah, he owns his own business. I know that. So. He's under a lot of pressure of his own, and much like I think that's probably where she gets these issues from. Sonny, hand me the dress. Now she's asking for the dress. She's asking for the evidence. So you're such a fucking manipulator, and she even says. You know, let's go back to the motel and we can, let's sober up and we can think about what we're going to do. And now that they're back at the, the, at the motel, all she's thinking about is how to cover 
covered up. And she just wants to take her shower and she just wants to focus on She just wants to part um focus on be pretending like it didn't happen, essentially. And you know, I think the most famous movie that um, utilizes this scenario is, of course, I Know What You Did Last Summer. That's always the one that comes to mind, but it's been used so many times. It's been used so many times before then and after. And remember, I Know What You Did Last Summer is based on a young adult novel that was written in the 70s. So, and which again brings me back to the rental if you're still using this scenario, really? That's kind of sad. Yes, yeah, she knows. See? Joni. She says we're through, aren't we? We're just getting sober. I think Sunny's lying to herself here. She's trying to convince herself. She's, you know, because she's saying in the, if we're getting sober in the morning we'll go to the police. And even when the sun comes up and they are sober, she says to Xana, it's morning and we're sober. Um... And I don't remember what she says right now, but of course, Xana has some other excuse as to why they can't or shouldn't do so. Oh, she's looking for the... Yeah, that's right. She's looking for a place to repair the fucking windshield. Don't look at me like that. I'm doing this for us. Zan, we have to report this now. Is that what you want? You are a fucking Please, bitch. We still have to tell them everything. What if somebody's looking for him? What if they already found him? John, you saw that guy. I seriously doubt that people are dropping everything and forming search parties. So he's nothing because he was homeless. So he's he's just nothing. You kill you took a human life, but because he was homeless and nobody's looking for him, he has no relations, he has no friends, he has no family, he has no kids, maybe. I don't know. Just forget it. See, when you have these kinds of situations though. What always drives me crazy, because um, and believe me, I've I've sat through a lot of these movies. But what always drives me crazy is there is, of course, the one person who wants to cover it up or act like it didn't happen. There's always the Ryan Phillippe, and then there's always the you know the Jennifer Love Hewitt, <laughs> essentially. There is the one person who wants to do the right thing or can't handle 
doing the wrong thing. So it begs the question, why don't they just go off and call the police themselves? Why do they have to be unified in their decision? If somebody, if one of the characters knows what they're doing is wrong and is so set on doing the right thing and calling the police and reporting this and turning themselves in, why don't they just do it? At the end of the day, I can't believe I just said that because I hate that. I hate that expression. Um, but um, I think it's all it, it's all it all comes down to loyalty, you know, to to friends when there's friends involved. I was checking the, uh, again, because I wanted to make sure that this was the whole, the whole movie that's on YouTube, and, uh, well, I'm pretty sure it is, they don't, the credits are cut off, which annoys me. There was, this, I'm, I'm going to take a moment to complain about something, because I never do that. But something happened in the mid-90s, yeah, mid-90s, and I believe NBC was the first network to do it. And what they would, what they did, or what they started doing, was they would put a band at the side of the screen where they would run the credits really quickly. And the title of the show would be at the top of the band, and then at the bottom would be like some kind of ad or some or whatever was coming up next. And on the main screen would either be the final scene of the show or more commercials or ads for upcoming shows. And then as I remember I'm pretty I'm, I'm almost positive that NBC was the first network to do that. And then every other network followed suit. They all had their own way of doing it. And credits and credits. I was always the type of person, especially since I recorded so many movies, I always liked, especially for TV movies, I wanted to have all of the credits. Since they don't, I don't know, I never understood why, but they never... I don't know if they still if it's this is still the case, but growing growing up on made for TV movies, they would always put the featured players in the end credits, so you would never get the main cast in the end credits. So that's why I always wanted all of the credits, and um, yeah. So credits became inconsequential. You know, you would have commercials. Uh, you would have ads for for other shows, other movies, other whatever, and the credits would be playing on the on a band in the side or left or right screen. It was usually the left side, I want to say, but every channel was different. And uh, yeah, you would miss stuff unless you had to pause it. 
or you pause it and um and then it really fucking annoyed me when channels like Lifetime started doing it because when they would air their uh, the TV movies that they had adopted from the major networks they fucked up the end credits as well and um I think they were probably one of the biggest defenders because um Um, this guy's so creepy. He looks like a fucking date rapist. But, um, yeah, they would have, they used to, I don't know what the hell they do now, but they used to have this big white box and a very small, well, it was a white band that would go from the top to bottom and left to right, and then there would be a small box over to the right that would have uh, whatever the ad was or we get ads for in commercials and shit and then uh, the credits would be playing very quickly and then there would be ads across the bottom of the screen when I actually used to watch the e-network oh it used to drive me fucking crazy what they used to do because I think they were probably the ones who did this but Whatever the show was, when they would come back from the last commercial break, they would do the whichever company, whether it was Warner Brothers, you know, or or whatever Fox, whichever company owned the show, they would play their logo and then they would play the end credits really quick. It would flash. It would boom, 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 boom. And then they would get into the last scene of the show. And then it would immediately bleed over into the next show. No time whatsoever. It was so fucking annoying. I'm so annoyed with TV. I hate TV. It's so sad too because I remember... This is so stupid. But I remember, like, um, if, if um, a TV movie that I liked would get released on VHS or, or later DVD, I would be happy because I would be like, ooh, I finally, I finally have the end credits. This is so dumb. I like this part here when Joni tells, or jo they find out right before they leave, or they get a, they or Sunny gets a letter, or she finds the letter in the mail that was um, from Columbia and says that uh, Zana didn't get into law school, and she doesn't tell anybody except for Joni and she tells her after you know the hit and um, run um, because you know Xana is, is acting very much holier than thou she's very acting very sanctimonious that she knows what's right she knows what to do everybody needs to follow her lead and 
she even looks down there her nose at her friends for the choices that they had made that night as though she is totally innocent and in the clear but um yeah um there's a lot more commercial breaks in here than I remember. I think, I think Lifetime or whatever the fuck, wherever they got, whoever got this from, they must have gotten it from from Lifetime. Who, by the way, much like um, TV show syndicated uh, sitcoms, um, Lifetime would cut little moments out of TV movies. Um, to make room for commercials. And I remember a, a movie that I, I know quite well. Um, seeing it on Lifetime. And seeing all of the, of the cuts that they made. And they, it was little things. Tiny things. Here and there. Here and there. Here and there. Throughout the duration of the film. But they cut out. What the fuck was I saying? Um, so... Oh, yeah, I was talking about a scene that I liked that happened like 10 minutes ago. But, um, I like it more because of Joni's, um, delivery, or Lisanne Falk's delivery, rather. Because, uh, she says to, um, she says to Xana, who is, you know, again, talking down to them, uh, you didn't even get into law school. But you could see it on her face that she's like, ooh, shit. Um, I wasn't supposed to say that. And she kind of, like, falters in the middle of it. It's like, you didn't even get into law school. That was a really bad... Um, that was a really bad uh, imitation. But she did it a lot better than I did. I will say that. I, I'm sure that she acted again or at, since this, but this is the only thing, only other thing that I'd seen with San Falcon since uh, Heather's. And I don't know. You know, it's probably it probably comes down to. CSI. That's always the fucking case, and I'm sure I've said this before, but every time I look at a movie and I think to myself, whatever happened to that actor? And then I go to IMDb and run down their list of credits, and they always have walk-ons on one of the CSIs or uh, Law and Order, um, one of those shows. So I'd be willing to bet she probably has. At least one CSI credit. Where have you been? Sam said that you left over forty five. What's wrong? Don't be mad, promise you won't be mad at me. Scoot over, let me do it. I don't remember why she went back to the scene of the crime, but that was not a good idea. 
hope you guys can't hear that. That's me messing with my sunglasses, which are rubbing against the padding of my earbuds, and it's making a squishy noise. Oh, she left her credit card. Now she's starting to panic. So one by one, you know, things start to fall apart, as they do in these movies. How long had she rented this car for? Yeah, see, they haven't even graduated yet. Or maybe it wasn't, uh, maybe it wasn't spring break, maybe it was finals, I don't fucking know. starting to lag here things are moving pretty pretty fast and now we're starting to lag and these this the, the, the these scenes here are of no consequence I don't care they don't move the story forward
Okay, so I guess we're cutting to, I don't know, however many weeks later. And Sunny is still in Palm Springs working for the new station. And now we have the uh, graduation party. I don't, wait a minute, I'm not sure I understand this, because this looks like it's, it's somebody's house, um, so, and I'm pretty sure this is the scene where, um, Joni has the, uh, the moment with her father, where she kind of breaks down a little bit, so, but, Yeah, but so why are members of the, of, of both Joni's and, um, Santa's uh, family there? Yeah, she's saying her summer might be, not be so bad. So it's, that, that had to have been finals. What the fuck is she studying for? Oh, I know what she's doing. Yeah, she's, um, yeah, Joni said that she's got herself locked up in the library all night long. What she's doing is she's brushing up on the logistics of what might be to come. As far as if and or when they are caught. When she should be, um, you know, concentrating more about uh, turning herself in already. But yeah, I don't even know exactly what she's planning on doing as far as law school because she didn't get into Columbia. Oh yeah, here's the scene with uh, Joni's father. This actor, I don't remember his name, but he's he's in a lot of stuff. This scene's kind of sad, too. Because he's telling her how proud he is of uh, how proud he is of her for graduating and everything and how much he loves her and all this stuff. And you could see her, her guilt. She, she does do this 
really well this this moment because you could see and she's in such fucking pain guy who is her who is the um, I guess videographer they have to have you know somebody who's they have to have they have to have this sleazy type character um, somebody who really doesn't give a shit about the subject the subject being the person, you know, as long as they get the story, and um, he's excited because uh, it sounds like there there's been a, a fatality. Yeah, look, look, I think there's a body over there. You should get over there. Yeah, get it all on videotape, you fucking scumbag. Is there only one cop in this in all of Palm Springs? That's the same guy. So because this is the desert, um, you know the vultures. So the body, uh, I believe, has been picked clean. She's having a very. You could hear the echo in uh, in Tommy's voice because she's having a very surrealistic moment. Because Xana said, you know, um, what could and probably would ultimately happen is Sunny would end up reporting on her own crime. And that's exactly what she's doing right now. I think this is her first time actually on TV. She's trying to get off air, but they want more details. You gotta have that are you okay moment. There it goes. Yeah, all right. Mm-mm-mm.
to Papa. Because he's going to take pictures. Such a sleaze. I think this is the scene where the guy breaks up with Joni over the answering machine. How many rings until the thing picks up? What's it been, like eight? Nine, what is this? I don't think the machine's on. He's been picked clean because she said all they, all they all they found were bones, and I think she said some kind of a box. I don't know. There is just a little. I think. <laughs> I don't think they were as sloppy as they. Uh, they're, they are portrayed because some of the stuff that they leave you'd have to be really fucking dumb I mean even if you're in an hysterical Sunny. state you know like for example um, Joni's credit card and she finds the bottle of nail polish that um, that um, that was on the side of the road when she goes back to the scene of the crime and now Sonny just said they found um, Xana's water bottle. Alright, so she's going to get more details. Uh, see, I don't, I don't know if this, if she's actually a, just exclusively a, a TV journalist, or if she writes, I don't think she writes for the paper or anything like that. Um... 
This is and this I think is another surreal moment for the Sunny character with the the clicking of her heels as she walks down the long hallway to go to the morgue, I guess. Um where the body is being held. The body of the man that she killed. And there's that cop again. I swear they only have one cop in all of Thumb Springs. Oh no, that's Bo Star. Fuck. I think this is his only scene, if I'm not mistaken. And Bo Star has, you know, what those that look and that voice of somebody who exclusively plays either a a, a, a beat cop, not a well, not necessarily a beat cop, but a police officer or a detective or somebody who works for law enforcement in some way, shape, or form. And her fingernail. Come on. Could they have been that careless? Were they 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 a press on nail broke off? So, as evidence, we have a credit card. We have a bottle of nail polish. We have a, a credit. Did I say credit card? Credit card. Nail polish, water bottle, press on nail. And we also have the police also find out about the repairs on the car. So they're fucked six ways from Sunday. There's um, Brian Cranston again. Oh my god, it's so fucking weird that he's younger than I am in this movie. See, this is where she gets the idea. Because of this case where there was a hunting group where one man accidentally kills a woman and he comes forward and he gets acquitted. And her professor tells her that if he didn't, and they all got caught, he would have been seen as an accessory. So her wheels have to be turning now. Um, so she's... Uh, yeah, here's the guy breaking up with her of the answer machine. 
Are you, really? Oh my god, did you really just say it's not you, it's me? I think breaking up with someone over an answer machine is the equivalent today of breaking up with someone over a text message. And Xana, with her one-track mind, her always after number one, bitch personality self instead of saying oh my god I'm sorry are you okay she says you didn't tell him you didn't tell that guy anything did you such a fucking twat So it was, okay, so he just said on March 23rd, he helped her with her, uh, her car alarm. And that was when she went back to the scene of the crime. See, this is, this is all, I guess they could have finished in January or whatever, or, you know, com completed this month. But then that would have been December, because, uh. Because uh, this is what, you know, March, that's like midterms. But it would have been early March when they had taken their finals, which is a really unusual time to be taking finals for your graduate, for your graduating semester. I don't, that, that doesn't, I don't get it. Yeah, and she's she's cracking under 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 all the pressure you could see. And that's the same cut. That is the cop right there. That guy. So you keep having these these uh, these surrealistic moments. I never. I never thought about this before, but now they found the car that was used to that was that they rented, and were driving the night that the homeless man was killed. There's Bo Star again.
also closing in here. I think they live in Washington. Get down. I'm trying to remember, because um, yeah, when they get the windshield fixed, um, they claim it was vandalism, and uh, Joni says it, it, it wouldn't have happened in Washington. There you go. At least Sonny's sympathetic. And if they had gone to the police right then and there, the two of them, I think they could have screwed fucking Xana. <laughs> we'll make her. Yeah, Zan doesn't do anything Zan doesn't want to do. Let me tell you. Okay. If only they had just gone and gone now, things could have turned out differently. Keep seeing his eyes. 
why they don't. What, what, something happens, obviously. Tomorrow. Why don't you go now? Sonny, damn it, we are in this together. Okay. Alright. I promise. I promise. <sighs> oh, you guys doing here? Picking you up? I said it would call. I already have a rental car. See, she's still plotting this bitch. Oh no, she says that line now. <laughs> yeah, get the fuck out. You really can't trust anybody. I don't, uh. I would just go, just go now, just go. It's just, this is frustrating me, and I've seen this movie so many times. Just fucking go. And if there's anybody who deserves to go to prison, it's Zan. Zana, whatever. Susanna. Oh, Susanna. And now Joni's convinced. We were gonna give ourselves up. We should have done it that night. Exactly. Joni, I know you. There's no way you can hack going in there and lying straight to the police. Mm -mm. Yes, I can. Mm -mm. Let me do this, honey. Mm -mm. I can do it. Mm -mm. Yeah, 
I just pretend you don't know anything. Get the fuck out. It's so weird because I don't know, <laughs> but what's what's really well, I was gonna say something totally different. But what's really weird is the way everybody was partying in early March, like they were on spring break. Um, or isn't no spring break isn't in early March. Well, yeah, isn't it? It is. Well, mm, mid. I don't know fucking whatever but everybody was partying like you know and they were there to party like they had just graduated and it was march but like they there's all these college kids at this ho this motel I, th I think it's the same motel too. yeah it is it's the same motel i don't think sunny ever got her own place i don't think she ever had the chance or the time because she went straight to work but it's it's kind of weird and eerie because you see a place like that alive with all these college kids, these early 20-somethings who are partying through the night. And then later when they go back or when Joni and um, Zank goes back, it's a graveyard. You are coming with me, right? Mm, no. Mm-mm. No, you're not. She's not. Like you said. Look, I'm trying to keep this the least complicated for everyone. If I go in there... I mean, she has proven herself so many fucking times that she's not trustworthy. They'll split us up. Cross-check our stories. And what if they trip us up? She's really, she really comes unglued here. And this thing with her just jumping up and down on the diving board, it's, it's really, it's an interesting, it's, I, I guess it's the equivalent of like holding yourself and rocking back and forth, you know, she's, she's, she's totally, totally unglued. And she doesn't know what to do with herself, so she's just jumping up and down on this on this diving board. Yeah, meltdown city, baby. Yeah, I really do. I think of all of the performances, or at least the performances of the leads, Lizanne's is the strongest. Renee as the icy bitch. She does pretty well. And then when you look at her in like Sleepaway Camp 2, 
how different her character is, and she was the goody-goody and stuff. I don't like her either. I don't like anybody. Fuck you all. Jesus Christ. 52 people dead in a train wreck. Oh my god, the trash test dummies. Ah, uh, scene is so fucked up. Generally, when they have movies like this or low-budget movies and they can't afford the the rights to, you know, pop music or recognizable songs, what they come up with from the studio musicians is pretty poor. And I'm not saying that this is a, a, a fantastic song or anything, but I think it it fits the scene really, really well. And... It's the song is telling the story about this girl who used to be the life of the party. Who, but and it's and he says she used to be the life of the party, and now she's living in hell. And this is like very much Joni's theme, and the chorus. Um, but the dam is going to break tonight. It's it's telling her story, and it and it does so really really well. I think this was a really uh, a nice touch and they play this when she kills herself which makes it even more powerful but also even more bleak you know as cliche as some of the elements of this movie are I think that it is a few notches above some of the other made-for-TV fodder that came out around this time. Especially the, the, some of the stuff on the major networks. I really can't remember Fox doing um, very many of their own original movies. Yeah, and she see this is even more fucked up. Zan just sees um, Joni get pulled out of the out of the pool. She jumps off the roof and she splits her head open or breaks her neck or whatever. I think she splits her head open because she sees the blood. And she sees her get carried out of the pool and she kind of gasps. And 
she turns and she just leaves. And this is supposed to be your friend. She doesn't call the police, she doesn't call an ambulance, she doesn't stick around to answer any questions. She's thinking about herself. And because now that she knows she doesn't have Joni to to do as she, to do her bidding essentially and to cover things up now she's hurrying off to and she gets there first that's what makes me so fucking angry is she gets to the police station first she tells her story first she gets immunity by throwing her friend under the bus Oh no, she doesn't. I'm sorry. I'm totally fucked up. But she does get there first. Oh my god. Yeah, this is her last ditch effort to save her own ass is to throw Joni under the bus now because Joni's dead. Oh, you are such a slimy fuck. Please don't do this to me. Oh, go fuck yourself. So yeah, I think she gets in the car now and she beats her there. She beats her to the police. She beats, because Sonny just got in the car and left. She's going to the police. And Santa knows this. So what does she do? She beats her there and she tells her story. Oh no, she goes to the fucking, why am I so fucked up? Sonny goes to the, to the, to the motel first. And, um, the, uh, the videographer, the fucking cameraman or whatever he is, he's already there. The news station is already there covering Joni's death. I think they had to do this to give, um, Zana the time to go to the police and, and, and tell her story. I think the, the only th thing that saves, I don't even know if I would even, if saves is the right word, but I think that the only thing that makes you feel anything at all for Xana after this is the final scene when she's sitting uh, with her legs folded in the in the house and everything's gone the pink palace that was their their you know their shared 
dwelling for their time at college and all everything's gone and it's just her and the TV and she's watching um, Sunny do the um, her new segment for the for the uh, for the college uh, TV station and she's watching it on repeat she's rewinding it over and over again and she's crying so yeah she may not have been robbed of her future she may not be behind bars she may not be dead like Joni or you know behind bars like Sunny but she's still fucked and she knows it and I think she's remorseful but still I kind of don't feel bad for her Especially how icy she is here when they're in the bathroom. Mm. Oh, and that line, I told them what you did, you fucking cunt. So she just tells her, I fucked you over, and then walks away. She doesn't even say, I'm sorry. God, I, I have seen this movie several times, but I've never fucking hated Renee Estevez's character as much. And now we have these final moments of Sunny in the ladies' room having a meltdown. And it's an interesting choice too, um, because this this news footage that Sonny shot for the university here, this here, for the university um, television station is what the movie opens on. And when the movie opens, things are the tone is very very different. You know, everybody's happy, everybody's you know rushing about, getting ready to go on their trip. Um, and now, every, after everything that's trans, transpired, we're seeing this footage again, and things are very, very different. One of them is dead, one of them is behind bars, and one of them is alone. I don't think it's an entirely satisfying ending, but mm, it still it's pretty good. See, they cut off the credits. Fuck that. Anyway, that was Dead Silence. As always, thanks very much for staying with me until the bitter end. 
a bitter end indeed with this one. That was bleak. But, you know, as always, this is Brandon Ford wishing you unpleasant dreams.